Welcome to Servecast. My guest today is Rob Alderman. He is Ashley's husband. He's a father, an incredible entrepreneur. He's a founder and CEO of the Alderman Group, a creative agency located right here in the location of Cleveland, Tennessee, where Servecast is recorded. And he's a founding partner of Social Joey, a digital content company that specializes in social media content for franchises across the country. His client work includes campaigns for NASA, Gatorade, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, and of course, Lee University, where I work and am employed. But the coolest thing about Rob is he's my friend. Now, I can tell you he's my friend, but he actually claims to be my friend, and we'll probably unpack a little bit about that crazy story. We'll be right back with a conversation with my friend, Rob Alderman. Rob, welcome to Servecast. I mean, you actually helped me create this thing. Here and we are, finally. And you now, know. according to your Facebook post today, I'm, you actually finally get to become a guest, right? Well, I, it, was, uh, it, <laughs> it occurred to me that I recorded the first five Servecasts. You did. Uh, I think the first five, and taught yeah. the very first, you know, that. Who, what was the name of the first kid who was the producer here? Uh, Tyler Shores. I taught Tyler, Tyler Shores, Shores how to do it, and then he must have told whoever did yeah. that, and now we've got Luke. Here in the room, yep, Luke, Luke is. is part, you're a long line of my pro, my proteges. <laughs> you don't know it, but you you are recording off the same files that I created. Many, how many years are is it that at this point? Uh, we're bumping close to four, I think. Four so, years. So yeah, four years it's ago, crazy man. Uh, you came to me and said, "I want to do a podcast on servant leadership." Yep. And uh, how? Yep. Which is what I love about it. That's the thing I do love about you. I, I, it is true. I do claim you as my friend. <laughs> I, I think of you as a dear friend. I actually haven't seen you much since the COVID yeah. outbreak. We haven't seen each other a whole no. lot. Um, but um, I do. I do consider you and your whole family yeah. to be my friends. And uh, and so one of the things I like about you very, very much, you know how you know how men get accused of not asking for directions like when they're driving? Yeah. You are not that man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are unafraid to, to walk up to a stranger and say, hey, I don't know where I'm at. Where, where this I'm is going. true. And so when you decided you're going to do a podcast, yeah. the thing I, I remember telling you, I don't know if you remember, but I remember telling you, um, if you're going to do it, consistency is the key. Sure. You remember that. And I sure. said, because everybody can, you could start a podcast, yep. but, but doing one consistently is hard. And what's interesting is your podcast now has outlasted my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you know, you, you weren't afraid to ask the questions and buy the equipment and do everything right. And yeah. I do love that about you, man, is, yeah. is that you you are a lifelong learner, yeah. which I love. I know that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. But. You know, I'm getting to be old, too, Rob. I mean, I'm 57, and I'm feeling like a lot of days, you know, that I'm I'm still learning brand new stuff, man, oh, yeah. you know, and it's, it's pretty cool. So. I think that that's what the – I really do believe – in general, right? History belongs to the learners. Yeah, it's not the street. It's For not sure. the people who are the strongest or the wealthiest or yeah. whatever. But but if you are willing to continue to learn both technologically and philosophically, right? Um, man, you keep growing. You never right. stop. That's that's why they say when you retire to go get a job. Yeah, for sure. Right, because sure. when you you know take one year off and travel and learn, right? Yeah. Go, go to other countries and other cultures, but then get a job because mm -hmm. if if you just stay home. You're gonna die a lot younger, right? Uh, right. You know, right. And so, um, I love that about you, man. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad to be. So this is kind of a big moment. Four years later. Yeah. Four years later, uh, here we are. Well, you know, I I want to talk about um, education, and I want to talk about reading. I mean, there's so much going on in the world today, and 
you know, Afghanistan and Haiti and COVID and more than we can even talk about in this episode. I'm really not even interested in those topics for this particular episode. We'll get to that conversation sure. a little bit later. Uh, today, I want to gear into, you know, the, the reality that school has started back, you know, albeit yeah. public schools, you know, across the nation. Some of those are meeting in-house. Some are not, you yeah. know, colleges, Lee University, we're back on campus. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. You know, a lot of colleges across the country are. So realizing that we have a lot of students and, and uh, even parents that listen to this conversation, I, I want to hit this idea of reading. And when I invited you, I invited you to this simply because you read a lot of books. You read a lot of stuff, a lot of material. Mm-hmm. You know, you read all the time. You remember Cliff Shimmels, yeah. right? Oh, I love, I love Dr. Shimmels. Cliff was my friend. We traveled together, wrote a first, my first book was like mm-hmm. his number 26. We co-wrote it. But the thing that Cliff always said to me was school is about words. If you can mm-hmm. navigate words, right, yeah. you can navigate school. If you can't navigate words, it's hard to navigate school. Mm-hmm. There are kids all over the world today who are in school, and they got their faces in books. But as a general rule, I'm not sure college students really love to read. Yeah, you love to read, Rob. That's weird, man. That's odd. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, so the studies show that. Uh, well, for, first, let me let me back up. Let me talk about Cliff Shimmels one second. Yeah, that guy was so dope. He yeah. was he was the coolest <laughs> cat, and and most people who listen to this podcast will never get to know how no. just how cool he was. No. He was my number one favorite chapel speaker. Yes, and he did something so. It's funny, I, I was talking to Kevin Brooks yesterday, and I don't know if you've had him on the podcast, but you should. He, we have. Good one. I need to get him back. Um, and uh, it was interesting. I, I told him about a time that he changed my life. I mm. said, you did this little thing, and it changed my life. That's something, I, I don't know why that is about me and my nature, but I could tell you th- a little thing you've done that's changed my life yeah. that I'll never forget. Cliff Schimmels, I, I never had him in class. I did know him around campus a little bit. I had talked to him. But the thing he did that changed my life is uh, when he would be done speaking, mm-hmm. he would close his notes and walk off the That's stage. It. He wouldn't say a word. He didn't wait for applause. He didn't give a – he never gave – I never watched him give a single altar call. I never no. – he would finish, and at his final word, yep. he would close the book and walk off. And I was like – that's the coolest dude I've ever seen. <laughs> like, like that's a rock star movie. Sure. Like, that's a rock star movie. Sure. And so the interesting thing they is. They call it drop the mic or something yeah, like that. Well, yeah. now it is. Yeah. Now it is. But, man, he was dropping the mic before anybody yeah. dropped the mic. And because he was so humble yeah. and quiet, I thought, what a baller move on yeah. that guy's part. And so what's funny is I did end up, as you know, I did end up in rock and roll for yeah. a living for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And I did that always. After I watched Cliff <laughs> and I still do, when I'm asked to speak places, yeah. Um, I don't say thank you so much or yeah. whatever. I, I finish the final thing I'm going to say. And walk off. And I walk off. And, man, it works every time. <laughs> you know you time. know, you know why he said that? <laughs> the reason he said that, Rob, was because he believed that, and he taught me this, you know, he believed if you walked away with them wanting you to stay, they'll come back next time you That's come right. back. That's right. You know. It's so true. And, Listen, um, it's so true. And I've, I did it in my, uh, the first place it translated to was uh, in my music career, yeah. which was for a long time. Yeah. But I would finish my final song. I would quickly say, thank That's you. Funny. I said, I said, thank you. Yeah. And I would walk off the stage. Yeah. And people were like, what? Yeah. But they loved it. And, and now when I'm asked to speak at colleges around the country or, yeah. or different organizations, I, I still do that. So RIP Cliff Schimmel's pour one out for Cliff. He's, he's there you amazing. Go. Man. So okay, uh, now onto the subject. On the on the subject of reading is, uh, they say that a, uh, from grades kindergarten through fourth grade, 
you learn to read. Mm -hmm. And then from fourth grade through the rest of your life, you read to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay? So uh, when we talk about college kids not reading as much as they ought to or, or maybe what would be helpful to them. Um, and not just college kids, man. That's what I was about to say. Is that, is that so much, so much of uh, our loss of reading is attributed to uh, our changes in technology, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, given the, the, the business that I'm in, right? You know, my entire business, you know, we, we talked earlier about, I came in here and set up this podcast. Sure. Which had nothing to do with reading, mm -hmm. so it had everything to do with audio. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always being asked, always, yeah. what's next, what's next, what's next? And so our company was on the forefront of social video. Our f company was on the forefront of podcasting. Um, because that's our job. Mm -hmm. um, one of the beautiful things about embracing technology is, of course, that technology begets more technology mm -hmm. quicker, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we understand the idea of exponential growth. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the bad things is we are often, now, now we've been trained to be early adopters right. into our tech, um, which means even things that to you, and I mean, you remember the first time you saw a Kindle? Yeah. Was your mind blown? Your mind was blown, as much man. as the it first was, time I, I saw a Commodore sixty four. Man, I couldn't believe the first time I saw a Kindle. The first time I saw a Kindle, I was like, "Wait a minute, there's books in there." Um, and even now, I do much less physical reading yeah. and a lot more audible and, yeah. and listening yeah. because I travel. I travel mm -hmm. so much, and I can't read and drive at the same time. That's so, good. That's helpful for all so, of us, Rob. So I uh, <laughs> so I, I listen to a lot, but um, it has been. I, I guess one encouragement that I'd have for your listeners would be this. Um, I once got in a debate in my, uh, when I was getting my master's, I, I have my master's in, of theology from Bethel Theological Seminary in St. Paul. And I was talking about going to get my doctorate and that I didn't want to go get my doctorate because they were going to make me take Greek. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it wasn't because I thought Greek would be too hard. Yeah. Okay. I, I've I've had hard classes before. Um, I'm not the smartest cookie, but I think really? knowing some of the guys I know that have graduated with doctorates, I, I feel like I could make it through. Pick me, right? <laughs> Pick me. Um, and so my <laughs> argument, my argument was logos software already exists. That's funny. So why would we? So my argument at the time, I was a younger, yeah. I was a younger man and a more naive man. So my <laughs> argument seemed to make a lot of sense to me, which yeah. was. No matter how much William Lamb studies Greek, he'll never know as much as Logos software. Yeah. The robot knows more than you. Mm -hmm. So instead of teaching me a class on Greek, teach me a class on how to use the software yeah. so that as I'm exegeting scripture, I'm doing whatever I need to do, I mm -hmm. can look it up mm -hmm. and I can get to it. And I thought, I'm ironclad mm -hmm. right now. I got, I've got this nailed in. And... Uh, I had a professor who I respected a whole lot who took me out one day for a burger mm -hmm. there in St. Paul. And he handed me a study. <laughs> you know, the, you never know what a professor is going to do to you mm -hmm. or how they're going to change your life. But he actually handed me a study that showed that while we as humans couldn't assimilate as much information as software, the act of reading exactly. remaps your brain. Exactly. And so it isn't that you know more Greek. Mm -hmm. It's that you remap your brain you to understand yeah. Greek when yeah. you read it. Yeah. And that looking it up through mm -hmm. software doesn't mm -hmm. give you the 
doesn't remap your brain to think right. that way. And so ultimately, we weren't trying through Greek to teach you Greek. Right. That's not it. We're trying to teach you to think like a Greek. Right. Right. And so um, it's like I say for all the math haters out there. Right. Math is more about a language than it is about a number. Oh, goodness. And yeah. if you understand the language, then it can make sense mm -hmm. in the numeric value. But yet we well, don't, especially we don't right. That. You know, we have a lot of adults. I don't know if I'm <clears> this way. I, I can speak for myself. I've had the frustration of trying to teach my kid new math. Yeah. Right. And I get angry. And I got I, grandkids, bro. I'm not and, doing and that. I, so, so, yeah, you're lucky. You're like, well, listen, I'm not. I got. I have two in middle school, yeah. or actually one that just started high school, yeah. one in middle school now, and one that's graduated. But yeah. but when new math first came out, I thought this is the dumbest thing. Yeah. Two plus two equals four. That's why. Why do we have to do new math? And then, uh, you know, you and I have a mutual friend who is a uh, Dusty Strickland, who's a yeah a, a teacher of teachers, a teacher of teachers, and uh, an award-winning guy, a very smart guy. And he's the one who taught me. He said, well, well, here's the deal, is that what we were missing yeah. from math was remapping kids' brains to understand the process same of thing. math. It's the exact same, same thing. Model. It's how do we map the brain? So your brain, right. anybody out there who's listening to this, your brain is made up of all sorts of, all sorts of pathways, right? And the way that we map those pathways is like creating little interstates in our, in right. our head the quickest path between our thoughts. So if you've ever been around somebody who is particularly clever mm -hmm. and able to think on their feet, it is almost assuredly that that person is an avid reader mm -hmm. because they're actually, it's not the ability to go online and find the info, mm -hmm. right? We're not trying to, by promoting good reading and good health, um, we're not trying to create know-it-alls. Sure. That's not it. It's not about the knowledge. You still can only sure. absorb how much you can absorb. But your actual ability to uh, problem solve in the moment, that's, those are the pathways that mm -hmm. we want to create. And so that's why I am a, I'm an avid reader because my company is called upon every day to solve sure. problems I've never heard of. Right. Things I don't know. I mean, you know, we deal in the Internet. Right. It changes every day. Right. And so tomorrow I'll have to solve a problem that didn't exist today. Right. And uh, I really do believe that it's reading is what mm -hmm. maps my mind to think think that way mm -hmm. and it's not just nonfiction. right i read fiction in fact i alternate yeah i alternate fiction nonfiction, fiction mm -hmm. nonfiction, and at any given time i'm reading two mm -hmm. to three books at a time yeah you know and are you finishing two to three books at a time uh what i do is i do two to three two to three two to three and i i revolve around them until one guy kind of gets past the breaking point so yeah so i'll hit up i'll hit one. a point at yeah. that i'll hit a point at that book where it's like oh and then I read that for sure. two or three days finish straight it. and finish yeah. it. Yeah. Cliff Schimmel's told a story, um, you know, when he and I traveled and we did parenting seminars together many, many years ago. And for those of you who don't know, Cliff is deceased now. But, uh, you know, he taught me, he said, you know, one day he was telling us, this lady came to him and she was all impressed, you know, and she was like, you know, my kid can read. And he said, how old is your kid? You know, and he said, like four. And he's like, well, I'm impressed, you know. And then actually he said, I'm not impressed. And then a teenager mom came and said, you know, my kid can read. How old is your kid? 15, I'm not impressed. You know, mom came and said, um, you know, my, my kid can read. How old's your kid? 27, I'm beginning to be impressed. You know, mom right. came and said, my kid can <laughs> read. How old's your kid? 46, I'm really, I'm really impressed. impressed. I'm so really you learn to read right. at four, so you love to read at That's 46. Right. Right. There's got to be some techniques. You know, Rob, there's got to be some things. Yeah, discipline matters. Setting might matter. But for students who are trying to get everything read that's assigned to class, mm -hmm. they're trying to tag some 
you know, other books on the on the reading list and doing some fun reading to keep the energy going. What are some real um, no-fail techniques that you've kind of, you know, adopted or applied mm-hmm. to be able to move from necessary reading to that love of reading? What, what gets you yeah. to the place that those two to three, I part two, yeah. I embrace one, I come back and pick the other two up and don't leave them aside? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, give us some real so, tangible so techniques I, yeah, on I how to love I, it. I, I want to say that I definitely, um, I sympathize with students been given required reading for yeah. a class that maybe they don't enjoy mm-hmm. um but it's still helpful as an educator yeah, it's yeah, helpful let me tell you this mm-hmm. when you take uh you, you taught your sons to fish yeah. right you, you're, you're an outdoor family yeah you, you, you know when i took my kids out to fish right the first thing that i learned was um i need to not fish yeah i need to be here to put the worm on the hook yeah. to and, and by God, we're going to catch a fish today. Yeah, we are. The second thing that I did was uh, I took a paint bucket with me, and I filled it with water. And as soon and this was true for Rusty, and it was true for Riley, um, as soon as I caught the first trout, that, were they? that poor trout, well, no, I would hit the water before them. I'd catch a gotcha. trout immediately. Yeah. I would take that trout, and I would put it in a bucket full of water so that as they fished, they could lay their pole down, and they could play with that fish. They could nice. lift it, touch it, kiss it. Nice. All that, and then we let them go at the end, uh, you know. Or uh, fry it, as I've done for well, Rusty yeah, before. That, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know, I know. I did, I cooked I, it for you Rusty. You sure did, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> he caught a uh, largemouth large bass, right? Something, and you cooked yeah. it, and you cooked it. Um, so here was the thing that I was learning through that process. I had a friend who I, I've never been able to get to go fishing with me, and mm-hmm. I said, well, why won't you fish with me, man? It's the best, it's mm-hmm. the best. And he said, well, when I was growing up, fishing meant I sat in a boat in the heat all day while my dad drank beer. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't do fishing. He didn't catch fish. He didn't, yeah. he didn't experience that. So now, Frame as, reference. So now, as an adult, yeah. he hates fishing. Yeah. The idea of it. He wasn't actually fishing. Right. So let's apply this to reading. Um, if the only reading that we do is the reading that we hate, we will not develop a, a love of reading. And I was not a reader as a kid. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you what saved my life was comic books. Mm. Um, I fell in love with comic books and still read them. I still, I have at our local comic book shop here a box. They call it a pull box. And so through the month, I pick different comic books that I think I'll like, and they pull them <laughs> and wait for me. And then every couple of months I go in and I get a stack of comic yeah. books. I do that because... It's cool books for me. Because that's great. That's, yeah. that's perfect. I do it because my kids also have comic books yeah. then that they like. And we go in on a Saturday together, yeah. and they see Dad getting the comic book that yeah. they like. So if you're if you're a college kid, right, yeah. you're not maybe having that experience, but I do want to encourage you, like, if what you like is a hunting magazine or a sports magazine mm-hmm. or comic book, look, look, I collected comics all through college, and yeah. I found the other nerds, right? Yeah. And we hung out and read comic books in college. Yeah. So nobody can tell me that. And you still graduated. Fine, and I still graduated. <laughs> um you have you can't let reading be only the stuff that you hate. Right. You you can't relegate because then you'll you'll say I hate reading, mm-hmm. which isn't actually true. The truth sure. is maybe you hate science, mm-hmm. right? But maybe you love hunting or maybe you love sports. Mm-hmm. And so why aren't you reading Sports Illustrated? Why aren't you you know reading Fast Company sure. if you like tech? Um, and I I believe in those little bites of reading that develop that muscle. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't start. You don't start by lifting 
a hundred pounds with each arm, you start by lifting five, and then mm-hmm. you move to ten, and then you move to twenty, you know, and 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 on so on and so forth. So I am always, all the time, taking a break, right? I read some heady stuff. I read some, yeah, some stuff that other people probably think is very very boring, right? But also, I you know this summer alone, this summer I've read four of what you would consider the classics. I, I went back and I found four novels mm-hmm. that I had not, that I had missed. And how many pages in a novel, in these novels? 700? I mean, uh, usually nine, nine, yeah. 900, you know? Yeah. And I, but I did The Grapes of Wrath, which is much more <laughs> this, this yeah. summer. Yeah. Uh, so this summer I did The Grapes of Wrath and I did To Kill a Mockingbird, mm-hmm. which I had never read, mm-hmm. which I had, and changed my life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, if you're listening to this now and you're a college student, I want to say if there's, if there's only one book you should read, read only it. one, read it. Read To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a required that. list for them. They should people read People tell you that. Well, you know what? It wasn't for me. It right. w- when I was in school, right. it wasn't. Um, and so uh, I read The Great Gatsby, yep. uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Graves of Wrath, and then I read Truman Capote's In Cold mm-hmm. Blood mm-hmm. this summer. And I found two of those four books to be literally life, life-changing books right. for me. And also, I, already this summer, I've gotten through four or five mm-hmm. uh, nonfiction books as well, mm-hmm. um, which were things to help me with my craft. So, mm-hmm. so my, my thing would be to say, if you're a student, when you take a break and you have to put that book down, sure. right? pick up something that you enjoy reading, but right. map your brain. Because we know the science says that reading does it better than listening, and mm-hmm. reading does it better than viewing. Mm-hmm. So I like movies too. You know that right. I love movies. Right. I love podcasts. I love listening, but you got to read. Yeah. You know, Rob, I, I appreciate you earlier talking about your kids too, because I think family is, is key. You know, Cliff Schimmel's another story. He would he would tell a story, um, you know, about a classic that he never read because the memory was too important for him. He didn't want to pollute the memory by reading the book. He said when he was a little kid, you know, they would go down in Oklahoma in the in the cellar of the house and they would have the baby chickens and his mom would take a five-gallon bucket, turn it upside down, sit on the bucket, read the book to them while they kept the chickens from smothering themselves to try to stay warm. And he said, you know, the book March Twain, he said, memory for me was of my mom reading it more than it was for me to read it. And this guy yeah. was the classic educator of all educators. Yeah, 100%. You know, and and so I, I think that I think that the world in which we're living in where where we're so divided with the electronic pieces that to come together, you know, like you and your sons to do that, you know, to come together and to find a mutual place of reading. T- tell me just a minute, talk about for just a minute the value of the value or should I say the value, the the you know, you talk about audiobooks, you talk about written books, you know. I like going to church when people bring a real Bible to church, mm-hmm. meaning a printed Bible versus just the electronic mm-hmm. version, you know. Yeah. Because frankly, I don't know if you're on your electronic version or if you're playing games or what you're doing. I don't really care. I'm not the police of that. But the point is, I like to read from the written book too, right? Yeah. So, so how do we draw a balance between audio and written? Because sometimes there might be a time to really get the audio because... Mm-hmm you're going to get out of your groove of remapping the brain if you don't. Yeah. Can you can you bring some balance to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I specifically read the uh, hard 
you know, I was going to say hardcover, but they're often softcover. The physical, physical copies. Tangible, of, touchable. Uh, tangible copies of um, nonfiction books. Okay. And uh, the reason being, those books are often laying out processes. So when oh. we're talking about remapping, remapping the brain. Um, my favorite way, actually, to consume the Bible isn't through the physical. Like, and, and I did grow up with parents. You know my mom. You know my mom. Yeah. You know, we grew up with Bibles. Sure. I take a physical Bible with me to church. Yeah. But at home, I don't read from my physical Bible, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I go to my, and, and part of that is because, you know, I did go get my master's, and I had to have a, you know, I had to have an NASB Bible, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that's my Bible. Sure. And the kids know, like, hey, that's Dad's Bible, and it's got notes written in it, it's sure. got things in it. And so I often will reference that Bible and go into that physical Bible, and it always feels more substantial. Yeah. But the way I actually love to consume the Bible, um, I personally find it very hard. <laughs> it's funny, uh, irony. So, so it's hard, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm not saying you shouldn't do hard things. <laughs> uh, but I find it very hard yeah. to sit and just read the Bible. Yeah. I much more often find myself now at 46 going back into my Bible for specific things. And, yeah. and I use it almost as a research manual. because sure. Maybe that is because I have my advanced education in theology. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a workbook. It's more of a textbook mm-hmm. to me, the physical mm-hmm. copy. But man, I love I love consuming the Bible via podcast and yeah. and uh, auditory learning yeah. um, because that's where the stories come alive for wow. me. Yeah. Um, I, I I am an auditory learner, mm-hmm. so part of why I had to teach myself to read, and I think that's maybe why comic books worked because they were so visual, the pictures and everything it. I had to consume the words to understand what was going on, yeah. you know. Uh, but but it was like I'm tricking you into yeah. reading, you know, which mm-hmm. I love. And I and I have heard I want to say that too on the subject of comics. More men than women have I had this conversation with, but I'm sure it's true for women as well. I know more people who have said to me, "I hated reading as a child," and then my uncle bought me my first <laughs> comic book. And now I consume every. Yeah. Now I read the New York Times every single day, and I, you know, I'm an we educator. Did the, I te- you know, we did the comic strip when I was younger. You know, yeah. oh uh, man, I devoured that. It's too. like five frames on the Sunday yeah. afternoon paper. That's you know, right. Yeah. So, so, so I, what I wanted to say is, when I consume fiction, sure. I love to have it read to me. Yeah. I love to have her, and my mom read me stories as a child, and my grandma read yeah. me stories as a child, and so I like to have stories read to me. So when I consume scripture, may, when when I'm looking something up or I'm trying to educate myself, I turn to my physical copy of the mm-hmm. NASB version of the Bible. Which, by the way, here's your plug for the NASB. I do believe everyone should read the NASB because it's the closest thing that we have to a literal translation. There you go. So if you're if you're hearing this, here's my con- I always have to do one thing controversial when I'm here. Um, so when I'm when I'm at Lee, I have to do one thing controversial is toss a, toss out your NIV. There you go. Uh, I'm sure that you, do you guys still give out an NIV at the end of every I, year? I think they do actually. Keep I, that one. I so read keep the, the one that you So keep the one yeah. that you get when keep the one that you get. Yeah. You know, for nostalgic purposes that yeah. that Doctor Walker is going to sign for you. Really, keep, just read the Bible, right? That's all you're saying is just read the Bible. Right, right. So, so the reason that I love it as, as an NASB yeah. is because I like to know that I'm getting the closest to what was written. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, so I, I, I do read that. 
but man, I, there's a podcast. I'm going to look it up right now while we're talking. Okay. That a mutual friend of ours, the the teacher of teachers, turned yeah. me on to yeah. this uh, literally last week, and it is an incredible way to uh, consume the Bible, and it's called the Bible in a the Bible in a year. Oh, okay. With Friar Mike Schmitz, who is a Catholic priest, okay. and he's an incredible reader. But what I love is. He has broken down being able to read the entire Bible, mm-hmm. but he doesn't read like starting with Genesis yeah. and going through. Yeah. What he does is break it down by topic. So by you get a little bit of the Old Testament, That's a little good. bit of the New Testament. And what yeah. he does is he reads the scripture, then he says a quick prayer, mm-hmm. then he comes back and says, okay, let's talk about what we just read. Mm-hmm. That's my, probably my favorite way. Yeah. But I am in con- that way, I'm in constant, yeah. constant scripture reading, which sure. I believe... If you are a Christian, if you're going to be a Christian person, there's no better way mm-hmm. to live the Christian life than to stay constantly into Scripture. Yeah, which is to scripture. read it. Yeah, and I and I think I think the story coming alive is a key factor for a lot of folks. You know, That's because right. um, again, I, I hate to I don't hate this. I love it, but I mean, this is a Cliff Schimmel's kind of you know a tribute to him. But he also told me who he was a phenomenal storyteller, and he also taught me that. Um, you know, in order to be a storyteller, you got to be able to identify the story. That's right. If you can't identify your story, That's you right. can't tell the story. You know, we yeah, all know yeah, that. It's all there. The that Bible, our lives right. are a written story, right? And so yeah. we're really trying to do that. You know, I, I, I guess I'm intrigued a lot by, by, a lot of times how that, that people are so busy, but then they find that niche, they find that one thing. You know, for me, it's cooking. For you, it's comic books. You know. That, that pulls them in, that's a place where they can really connect. Because I will read more about cooking, you know, than I will anything else. And even my profession isn't cooking, but that's my love. I don't know. You know, <laughs> okay. Well, you said, you told Adam the other day that I was, um, you know, part of his cooking or something like that. You know, well, I've told I, everybody, if, if anybody in this town is cooking, it's there. It's just sort of like Luke over here is my protege, yeah. even though he never met me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like you know if anybody's cooking in this town, it's because because at one point they ate your brisket tacos, you know. But there you go. Uh, there you know, go. let me let me sort of say this about I want to say a word about fiction. Yeah. Right now, there's a movement within the church. Uh, you could say you attribute it back to the kind of when pastors first got really hooked onto John Maxwell books. Um, you got Andy Stanley type books or Max Licato books mm-hmm. or I don't know who the you know, Francis uh, Chan or, mm-hmm. you know, all of these are good fine books. They're all sure. fine. Um, and I don't mean to disparage those books at all. Um, but there has sort of in Christian leadership, um, we have begun to absorb a lot of nonfiction. So I want to actually, so I don't feel like I got to teach on that today mm-hmm. on this podcast. I don't need to convince anybody. I, all your professors or your pastors are already saying, like, read the 12 yeah. irrefutable laws of leadership or whatever. Actually, you I'm just saying read the Bible. But you, yeah. will, you will not learn more about morality, leadership, friendship, bravery, kindness than, than you will in reading any book other than The Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk just br- briefly about the power of fiction to reset your mind. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a student here, and I still want to get something really great out of um, out of reading, 
but I'm burnt out because of my textbooks. Yeah. Turn to fiction. Don't turn to nonfiction. Right? Yeah. You're already getting a ton of non. I mean, you mm-hmm. must read so much non. I'm, I'm going to assume, given your bookshelf and your position here, yeah. that you feel it is a requirement to read nonfiction. I know I do. Sure. So I want to say sure. I, I feel that way. It's I read not a lot attacking. Of it. I read a lot so of it. I read a lot. If yeah. you looked at my list of just this summer, yeah. I've probably been through ten nonfiction books since. Yeah. While the kids were out of school. Yeah. Okay. Um, none of those nonfiction books. And I read some great ones, man. Yeah. I mean, have you read Embrace the Suck yet? No. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, Embrace the Suck yeah. will change yeah. your life. Yeah. Like that one kind of, for yeah. me this summer, was the big yeah. one for me that yeah. I, I thought, well, this one's a cut above the others. And, and I do um, read more more nonfiction than I do fiction books. So, so for the people, but, but you love to read. Sure. And so I want to talk. I'm talking, I'm learning to, I'm to, talking read. to the people yeah. who don't. Yeah. Is that. You can get, you know what brought me to my knees this summer? It wasn't Embrace the Suck. It was To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. And when I read To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, um, in the famous scene where Dill is outside the courthouse and he's crying because of the way that the lawyer treated Spoiler the lawyer, alert. Spoiler right? alert. Uh, yeah, listen, if, if this is a, <laughs> the book is, the book is how many years old? Yeah. You know, so I my point is, it's a very famous scene. Yeah. And when he's weeping and his childhood friend is saying, all lawyers are mean like yeah. that. All lawyers yeah. are mean. But as a grown adult, you know that that's not why Dill is crying. Right. He's crying because of like the horrific, yeah. terrible way that he has seen a, a human yeah. being treat another sure. human being. I didn't read anything in nonfiction that right. that made me more aware of how I treat people around me right. than, that, than, that than that book. Yeah. Um, you know, The Grapes of Wrath this year taught me so much about per- perseverance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so, so really what you're talking about, Rob, really what I think you're modeling here is, is if you read just one particular style, one particular type, one particular topic, one particular context, then you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. But if you learn to read a variety of models, right, right. or a variety of text, or a variety of, that's correct. of styles, then and I would say that's where keep that's, the momentum that's exactly going. Because I think... I think right when you're reading your cookbooks that you love, yeah. you're actually doing your. I you are your, your map. You you do. <laughs> so you do. Hey <laughs> Rob, you know you help me start a podcast. Can you help me learn how to write a cookbook, Rob? You I know? could help you. You gotta. <laughs> you know what we could start with? We could just call it Tales from the Ace Ace uh, Hardware Parking Lot. There you go. You know, you uh, go. forward by Rob Alderman. There you that, go. You know, experienced um, by Rob Alderman. Yeah, experienced by <laughs> Rob Alderman. I I take a chair. You know that I I, I show up at the parking lot with a, yeah. a lawn chair and yeah. I just wait for you to be That's like true. the next food is done. <laughs> but um, no, real real quick because I know I know we gotta wind this up. Um, I, I do believe that if you feel stressed yeah. by reading, you won't become a reader. And I do believe that everyone should be invested in being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and that reading is a huge part of that. So definitely change it up to find things to read that you like. And let me add to that. Read something every day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's a paragraph, if it's a page, whatever the case may be, one of the tricks I've learned is I will go to the table of contents when I'm reading and I'll go to the table of contents and when I complete that particular chapter... I will, and I actually will complete an entire chapter before I will quit reading. I will um, put the date on that. So then, you know, I too may have one, two, three, four, or five books I'm kind of milling through. And if I look back at the table of contents and I haven't looked at that book in a month, 
-hmm. It's time to pick that one back up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's time to revisit that one. So yeah, there's some there's a lot of little tricks out there. I think the thing is, I'm is to interview you try for to build some momentum. Are you ready? I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna interview you because we got five minutes. Let's flip it. All right. Uh, in the lightning round, what not including the Bible, what's the most impactful book that you've ever read? Oh wow. Um, most impactful. If I if you were gonna hand somebody one book, if we're we're in a here, tale we're of three kings. A Tale of Three Kings. What's it about? Kings. Tell me real quick. What's um, the brief synopsis? Saul, David, and Absalom, right? It's a story about um, forgiveness. It's a story about leadership. It's a story about, um, you know, understanding family relationships and, and, you know, God's love and God's grace and God's So if we were in here and, and you were going to pull one book off the shelf to hand to Luke, that's what you'd hand him? Uh, that's probably... I mean, that's a fine answer. It's a good no, answer. it's a great book. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, yeah. for me, that book is called The War of Art by yeah. Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. He's the guy who wrote the, the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance mm-hmm. and a few other Hollywood films. But he's written a book uh, where he details that everything that's stopping you from your goals should be lumped into one category right. called resistance. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that book changed my life. And I have probably given away 20 copies of that yeah. book in my life you know and so uh luke you should read those two books there you go those are the two tales go get her the go getter and yeah. as a matter of fact i'll give you one today the go getter the go getter you got to get like that it. book it's called the go getter g-o-g-e-t-t-e-r and uh, it's up on the shelf there by peter kind you can see it and uh there's a story in there about the blue vase so if you've not read that one i'm going to give I you a copy of True story about that book, Dr. Khan was hiring me, and when I went into his office for a couple of interviews, um, he actually has an office and had a conference room, and I went into the conference room, and he had that book was on the bookshelf, and he was late coming to the meeting, so I picked the book up, right? And the next time I was in there, he was late coming to the meeting again, and I picked the book up. <laughs> Can and, I continue yeah, reading for And the anyway. next time he came in, um, I guess he realized that I had been picking the book up and putting it back on the shelf because, you know, I was just, you know, he, I don't know. But the next time I came in, he reached over to the bookcase, pulled it off, laid it on the table and said, you're hired at Lee University and you can have this book. That's you know, so I actually have bought a bunch of those copies. So probably The Go-Getter is a book that I would um, would recommend that people read. You know, it's terribly written from the English perspective, you know, from structure perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's a phenomenal story. I, can't I love this story. You probably can't do you have a Goodreads profile? I, I want to make sure we talked about that. So I don't, but I know uh, what it is. Everything, you know, so everything's social. I probably now. should. And uh, I don't. And so one of the things is if you if you are listening to this yeah. podcast today, uh, you can follow me on any of the social media accounts at Rob Alderman. So I'm Rob See, Alderman at Twitter. That was a question I was going to ask, but thank you for doing that. I'm Rob Alderman at Twitter. I'm Rob Alderman at Facebook. But what's applicable to today is I'm Rob Alderman at Goodreads. Goodreads. And so uh, if you want to know what I'm reading at any given time and the progress, uh, I'm currently, I don't know, 50 to 75% through a book called Reborn in the USA, which is uh, the autobiography of Roger Bennett, who Mm -hmm. is um, a sports guy. He he runs the podcast Men in Blazers, so Mm -hmm. he's a soccer guy, who fell in love with America when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And just idolized America in the 80s. So he grew up watching Miami Vice and all those things yeah. and thought that would be America. Mm. Right? And so he moved to America. And, and I'm listening, I'm reading to that, reading that one right now. Um, and then, uh, you know, all my other books that are in progress, you can right. read, you can, you can see right. on Goodreads. 
And you should join Goodreads. That way I'll know what you're reading. I probably, I probably will because that way it's going to That make way me, we can friend each other on Goodreads. It's going to make me read more often, Rob. I lo- well, I love it. And I, I love getting notifications of what my friends are reading. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's the difference in your ten, 10 years between you and I is that, you know, you're more socially apt than I am. And so, uh, yeah, you can do that. That's why but you uh, friend me on Goodreads. <laughs> I mean, you, you leave your notifications on and get some of that. That's why, isn't that why you work here at the university is to stay here. young? That's it, man. That's <laughs> you it. work here to stay That's young. Yeah, in order for me to, uh, to learn. Okay, guys, if you've ever heard me in the classroom or if you get a chance to hear me in the classroom or maybe you can just hear me now, I'm going to tell you we learn well so that we are capable of teaching well. Rob has given us a great insight today on the impact of learning and recognizing that um, it's a choice. It's a discipline, you know, and so I would encourage you guys to uh, glean from this episode something that would be applicable to your life and something that you could start applying today. And let's do that by picking up a book. The Bible's a great choice, and there are plenty of other fiction and nonfiction books that will inspire you to read. So pick it up, look at it, read it. And uh, sign up on Goodreads, and that way Rob can find out what every person who's listening to uh, Surfcast is reading every day of the week, right? And to quote Cliff Schimmels, yeah. thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.